so it's Melbourne Cup Day. Uh, for those in Australia, you'll be well aware of that. Uh, internationals, you may never have heard of it. It's uh, apparently a race that stops the nation, but primarily it's a day off for Victorians where little guys in fancy silks get on fast horses and try and get around the track as quick as they can. People bet a lot of money, people get very drunk, and uh, it's a big event. Uh, speaking of little guys dressed in silks, my last interaction with a jockey was memorable. Uh, a little bit over 12 months ago when my daughter turned 18, she announced to us on the evening of the day that she decided she'd like to get drunk tonight. And so while I was shocked by that, I appreciated her honesty and asked her about a plan and she'd already thought it through and uh, had organised some friends to go out and uh, organised a lift home. And so, look, I appreciated that she'd thought it through and was being responsible about her intention to see what it was like. And so not expecting her home until late hours, uh, I was very surprised to see a car pull up at about 7.45pm and as I looked closely, it had vomit all down one side of it and when he got out, <laughs> worse for wear. And uh, there was a jockey, a jockey friend of hers who uh, was holding a hair back and had, had done so five times between the pub and home. And I appreciated that. He was a, a good young chap. Turns out he was quite sweet on My Little Girl and uh, was doing one for the team by being the designated driver and looking after her. So very grateful. I appreciated that. And he continued to nurse Amity she has sought to recover from a, a big night where her, her friends had uh, escalated situation the situation dramatically by spiking her drinks and uh, yeah, getting her drunk, which was her stated goal very, very quickly. Uh, so any, anyway, um, I was off to bed and Amity said, well, look, you know, my friend's been very good to me and looked after me. Was it okay? He's out of town. Would he, would he be okay if he stays the night? I said, oh. It's only fair, yeah, sure, that would be okay. I'll make up a bed in the lounge room. And so went to bed, got up early in the morning to do a coaching session, I walked through the lounge room to my office and noticed that the bed was unslept in and thought, oh, you know, he must have just decided to hit the road. And then I heard talking coming from the room next door and thought, hang on, he, he's still here. Went to investigate at the same time he popped out of the door, a deer in the headlights, and he panicked and high-fived me. <laughs> oh, I'll never forget it. High five me. <laughs> I said, um, yeah, looks like uh, you didn't sleep in the lounge room last night. Oh, no, 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 uh, no, I, I slept in Amory's room. Uh, but look on the floor. I said, well, don't do that again. That's not, I'm not okay with that. He says, uh, right then, I'll be off. <laughs> Uh, Amity! So, oh, the joys of parenting. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so the, those little guys will be running around today uh, if they're not making mischief and high-fiving future fathers-in-law. Um, thankfully, he, he moved on and Amity replaced him with, with a fine young gentleman whom she's uh, in love with and they're great together. But, look, you've got to admire his courage, though. That's quick thinking. High five, that'll solve the problem. <laughs> That's uh, brilliant. <sighs> Still brings a tear to the eye. Now, I've got something special for you today, right? Um, I, if you'll let me, I, I would like to summarize 
your life and particularly the dysfunction in your life if i could be so bold and and then the suffering in your life i would i would like it uh, if you'd let me to summarize your life in six words now i do like language and i like good language and i like precise language i'm a big fan of jordan peterson and i think one of the sharpest things he's ever said is rule 10 in his 12 rules for life uh, be precise in your speech because things that go unnamed become monsters that consume you so as a writer i'm always trying to find precise language and always seeing is there a better way of describing this a more precise way because the more precise you can be the more choice you've got and the more scope you've got to make change so I see when people are dealing with insecurity and fear, they are far from precise. That's the last thing they are. They're in all kinds of abstraction and therefore continue to suffer in dysfunction. So I think you'll find this very, very useful. And I'm going to give you this as simply as possible. I love Einstein's take on, on wisdom. Make things as simple as possible, but no simpler. Because if you oversimplify, then there is no wisdom. And if you complicate things, well, sure, there's wisdom in there, but very hard for the average person who's not well-versed in, in your expertise to make sense of it. So I think you'll find this very useful. And if you'd like a one-page summary of this afterwards, I've, I've created some images and keywords and mapped this out for you so that you can see it on a page. And I, I love the visual anchor of key ideas at certain times in your life when you're making key changes so if you want that one page poster and to stick somewhere where you've got it in your mind um just reach out to Catherine. so admin at jaymanfraser.com that's admin jaymanfraser.com and just say um send me the six word summary and she'll get that to you today or tomorrow or if you're listening to this well yeah it'll still be today or tomorrow whenever you're listening to it so (laughs) she'll do it quickly that's my point um, so, um, but before before I do that, like I will reiterate the fact that if you're a listener here, there's something inside of you that has not given up on the idea that you could be free. So, it is the holy grail. It's the promised land. It's the dream for all humans to be free, and we find ourselves in in bondage, in dysfunction, in stuckness, in in the opposite, in in kind of prisons. Is a good word to describe how most people feel about some part of their life. They're in a, they're confined to a certain area that is not the way they'd like to experience life. So it's the opposite of being free. So uh, I, I want to encourage you and just um, endorse the fact that you're still here because you do want to be free and you do believe it's possible. And what I'm going to show you with these six words is that Uh, I would say the only reason anyone is not free is because, um, you know, firstly, they probably have never thought about their life as six words. But if they have, they have directed all their attention to the wrong words to fix things. So of the six that I'll show you, there's only one that is the lever for change. And it's not the obvious one. So... Um, so don't feel bad if you're not free. That's not a judgment. And it's hard to be free. But if you can understand the right word, the right area, the right action to take to get un- unstuck, then it's not only possible, it's inevitable. So um, uh, you'll see this. You'll, you'll watch your own practices and your own strategies and you'll see uh, a big reason about why you're still stuck is that you've been focusing on the wrong of these six words um, 
So let me show you the right ones. And and I, and I you know it'll also confirm your suspicion that there is a lot of bullshit out there when it comes to fear and anxiety and insecurity. There is a lot of stuff that is not useful, has never been useful, never will be useful, sold to you by people who have not embodied it, who have never really understood it, who are you know, speaking what is commonly accepted as wisdom but is nothing like wisdom. And so you know that, and I, and I think part of why you're here is that uh, the insecurity project has always been around being intelligent, being thought through, and even when it's not popular, or when it's not the accepted wisdom to to speak the stuff that actually works. If it doesn't work, it has no value, whether it's popular or not. Uh, and then finally, I'm going to help you. I am going to help you take down your enemy in, with these six words. And um, the mistake around enemy is that so many people feel like there's an enemy within, and the enemy is is the insecurity that is the voice that is undermining that doesn't believe in them that doesn't like them that thinks they're no good and and the enemy is their own self that that is not true that's never been true it never will be true Um, your enemy is the monster that has become a monster because you have not understood what your fear is so because you have not understood these six words you have been imprecise in your language and things that go unnamed become monsters that consume you. Your enemy is a monster. And so my job is to help you take down that monster, to destroy that monster, to overcome that monster. That monster is not you. The monster is the story about you that has taken a life of its own because you've never got eyes on it. And it has it has become strong, it has become real, it has become concrete on its own accord simply because it has it has thrived in the darkness. That's how fear works. Fear unexamined always grows, but fear examined is diminished. Good, we got it. Let me give you the six words. You can take it, take notes, you can remember it, or you can just ask for the one-page summary when we're done. Um, word number one. Accusation. So you would have heard me no doubt describe insecurity as an opinion problem. And it very much is. And that uh, up until recently was the most precise word I'd ever used to describe that. And that level of precision is stunning because it doesn't feel like that. Uh, it, It certainly feels much more solid than that. But when you understand that the, the dilemma we face as humans is that we come into the experience of life uh, totally secure, totally relaxed, totally understanding that we are enough. Uh, that's where everyone starts. And, and, and you, look at, you look at a child. Tell me this is not true. Look at a child, a toddler, not to two. The moment something is less than ideal in their world, they instinctively demand it be resolved. They don't question it. They don't second-guess themselves. They're not empathetic toward the adults in their world considering their plight, their resources, their, their levels of energy. They're just like, hey, I have need and you are designed to fix my need. I, and so so their experience is I am enough. In fact, I am more than enough and I'm not exchanging anything I'm not paying for this. I'm not contributing to the world in any way, and yet I'm still having my needs met, and I'm still being looked after. And so it's good to be you at the start for every single human. Now, that lasts a short amount of time for some, a longer amount of time for others, but invariably it comes to an end as you enter the adult game as a child. And so there's complexity, 
and the game check the game changes now you have to perform and behave and fit in and belong and if you don't do the right things then you don't get what you need your needs are not just freely given so when that fallout happens when the experience happens where you have something go down that's not what you expected and um, you form an opinion about why that happened so the two sense making questions we use to interpret the world are question one why did that happen question two what did it mean about me and so your answer to that is not a fact it's an opinion it's a guess it's an assumption you're making shit up and you're making shit up as a child so at you at its core insecurity is an opinion problem of a scared child, of a hurt child, of a disappointed child, of an embarrassed child. So um, when you look up the word opinion in the dictionary, it'll say the lowest form of knowing anything. So a very fragile form of knowledge uh, and therefore has to be the thing most likely to be wrong and therefore also has to be the easiest thing to change. So watch what happens when I go one level more precise more specific because opinion is a neutral word that language does not include whether it's positive or negative uh, now invariably the insecurity is created not by positive opinions but by negative ones and and they are unavoidable in moments of distress embarrassment shame disappointment hurt uh, it it is inescapable that the child will personalize those experiences against themselves and form a negative opinion but here's the thing, that opinion will, at its core, take the form of an accusation. There will be an accusatory tone to the sense made. You will look at yourself and you'll go, hmm, the only possible logic I have for why that happened and what it means about you is that you are a problem. You, you are a problem. This, this didn't happen to Timmy over there or Sally over there or this person or that. It happened to you. So you're the center of this. This is a reflection of you. And so you sum up the data and accuse yourself of a crime. You accuse yourself of some lack or limit or problem. And if you really follow this through, it, it stands to reason that, that that accusation revolves around one central thing. You, you do have an idea about what exactly is wrong with you. Perhaps it is that you are stupid. Perhaps that you watch yourself, think you're okay, think you're making a good decision, but that decision turns out to be a terrible decision where you hurt yourself or hurt somebody else. And so your reflection is, huh, I thought I was smart, but that can't be right. I am dumb. I am stupid. I am, I am dull, whatever it is. Uh, or perhaps you watch yourself uh, craving love and attention from someone and they don't give it to you and so, huh, look at this, you are worthless, you are insignificant, you don't matter. Or perhaps you watch yourself make a decision that's good for you and bad for someone else and, and when it's pointed out, it's so embarrassing that your accusation is, huh, you are thoughtless, you are selfish, you are insular, you are... Um, cruel so I'm sure you understand what I'm saying but you know it's unlikely that you straight away know what the exact language you used was but that's okay that's you worked it off the back of these six this six word summary but first for you to know that I promise you at the core of all your pain and all your suffering and all your dysfunction and all your stuckness your prison is off the back of an accusation uh, but accusation is a very useful way to describe it because it's a legal metaphor. It's a word used to describe a crime committed. And 
it's not conviction, it's just accusation. And there's a big difference because in a court of like in legal proceedings, if you are accused of a crime, you get your day in court. You get a defense attorney, a judge and jury, you get to defend your name and perhaps be acquitted from the accusation before it goes to conviction and you'd be found not guilty. However, that's not what happens in the life cycle of a human being. We go from uh, accusation to word number two, betrayal. So uh, betrayal is is a very precise word and it is the most extreme way to just to break trust so if someone lies to you you know it's hard to trust them again if someone steals from you yeah it's hard to trust them again but if someone betrays you you know a betrayal is to take you at your most vulnerable your most susceptible at your most open at your most unguarded and to use that vulnerability against you like that is that's a big blow very hard to come back from that it is possible, but it's the strongest of all the words used to describe trust being destroyed. And that is actually what happens for every single human off the back of the accusation. Because you look at yourself with disdain and you you separate yourself. It's the ideal you talking down to the real you. And so along with that accusation, you say, well, well then, if you are stupid or dull or selfish or thoughtless or or you don't matter or you're worthless or you're insignificant whatever the the thing you said then then you carry on with that and say well then don't ever be you again do not be you be different than you be better than you be other than you do not be you you cannot be you you is not welcomed here and so at your most unguarded you are at your most relaxed you did not anticipate there will be a moment in time where this was about to happen you were had no preparation for this you just showed up to life assuming that yesterday would be the same sorry that tomorrow would be the same as yesterday today would be the same again and you would be fine your enoughness would win the day and then it didn't there was a problem and it was so shocking and so unsettling and so catastrophic that the fallout of that caused a betrayal of self so you betrayed you And very, very important to see you at the center of all of these words. They're all action words, and you are the actor. You're, you're, sorry, not, I mean, don't confuse that with the actor in the story or the storyteller, but you're the one doing the action. You're at the center. So you accuse yourself, and then accusation uh, becomes a betrayal. Now, it gets worse from here. Uh, because, as I said, in the legal practice, there'd be an opportunity for defence, but not in in the way insecurity is built. There is no there is no time to review this, because the next word is agreement. And here's where it gets really dark for you, because in your childish wisdom, you not only accuse yourself and then tell yourself to piss off and never be you again, um, but then you consolidate that decision. So it's one thing to say to someone, oh, you're terrible and don't be friends with me. But then you can go home and think about it, process and go, uh, I think I I think I was too strong. I, I don't think that was warranted. I think I need to fix this before this gets out of hand. That is not what happens in the child. They review the data and double down on it. So they agree. An agreement is a very precise word. I love Domiguel's Domiguel Ruiz's work on this word because he says it's not the words that change our life, just the ones we agree with. So <laughs> agreement leads to the fourth word, which is certainty. The moment you agree as a child, I am stupid. 
I am worthless. I do not matter. I am thoughtless. I am a waste of space. I am bad. I am weak. I am silly. Whatever it is that you said that caused you to decide you could never be you again, to then double down on it and go, it's true. I've seen enough. From that moment, you stop running any hypotheses. You're not testing any theories anymore. You're not experimenting in the world. You know who you are now. You give yourself such certainty that it flushes through your whole body. It's lock it in, Eddie. I, I know now. I actually know what's true. So off the back of that, then we, because we are creatures of certainty, we, we crave certainty. We want to know what's true, what's right. We, we want to base our, our future decisions off what we know to be true. We don't have time to be objective about every single thing that we deal with. We, we look for patterns. We want to lock in assumptions. We want to find out our patterns. We want to see what's real and and have that as our map for reality. So if you've decided what's real is your shit and you've agreed with it and you're certain it's true, well then it's locked in. It's done. Uh, it gets a little worse from here still. So buckle, buckle in. Yeah. So the next word is strategy. So if if you know that you're bad, you're weak, you're terrible, you're silly, dull, stupid, whatever it is, you know it's true, right? You've seen enough data and it's locked in. Then the only thing to do is put all your best energy to covering and compensating, running and hiding. You must develop a strategy. Word number five, strategy. You must strategize to make sure that nobody else ever finds out that this is true. And this is a really key part of understanding how insecurity works, right? Because that's ultimately what we're afraid about. Once you decide it's true, then you must make sure no one else knows it's true. Insecurity is, I'm afraid that my own worst accusation of myself will be proven to be true by somebody else. That's it, in a nutshell. And so a smart person, a loving person, a kind person to themselves would then strategize to make sure that's never true. Who do I need to be? So you develop a persona, you play games, you find roles, you build patterns, you form behaviors, you go all in on being who you need to be to make sure no one else, if you think you're bad, well then you must do everything to prove that you are good. If you think underneath you are stupid then you must do everything to manage the situation so you're never found out you must always be seen to be right if you think that you don't matter well then you must make sure that no one ever abandons you and you must be needy and please everyone and hang on cling to people so that no one ever leaves you the strategy then uh, which starts out as a conscious decision and then becomes so well rehearsed it becomes unconscious and then becomes the system of your life your whole life is a system it's unconscious. You do the things that you do. They become patterns without any conscious awareness. Then you become a people pleaser. And that's you think that's who you are. You become shy. You become introverted. You become risk averse. You become, you become the person you've created all to solve the problem of covering and compensating, running and hiding from the thing that you accuse yourself of when you were three. That's now the system. It's, it's it's crazy when you see it like this because uh, this is the this is why people stay stuck because uh, of these six words accusation betrayal agreement certainty strategy system 
have a guess where most people and and by the way most advice i promise you most advice around changing your life is directed at the wrong words Uh, because we're not actually having a conversation i can't hear you i'll have to imagine i'm hearing a bunch of responses and seeing a bunch of hands go up now and yes uh, yeah uh, uh, strategy and system yes great guess strategy and system that is where most people put all their effort and energy that's where most advice is given um, but how in the world are you supposed to change it there if your energy is putting in overriding the system the system that's been rehearsed for 40 years that's got your best energy that's been so refined and so doubled down on and become so unconscious and you think you're going to override it with some discipline and willpower that's it I'm not going to be a people pleaser ever again. Oh, wonderful. That's it. I'm not worrying about what anybody thinks about me ever again. That's it. I'm not going to be afraid of running out of money ever again. Done. Problem solved. I've committed to being a better person and loving myself and backing myself. Okay. You, good luck with that. Well done. You know, and this is the tragedy of the self-discipline movement because it's management energy. You're going to manage yourself. You're going to manage the system that was built lovingly, by the way, to protect you from the thing that you were most afraid of. And you're going to override it with some willpower. Okay, you'll get tired and you'll fall flat. It cannot work. It will not work. That system is designed for a reason and it's still got your best resources, of which there are many and they are strong. So if it's not system and strategy, that is the way in. There's only one word only one word of these six that is the lever and you might be surprised again i'd ask uh what's your guess which one do you think and play along with me write it down have a guess pick 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 one pick a word if it's not the last two i promise you it's not the last two you already knew that and you've already reflected on how much time and energy you've wasted trying to change the system or the strategy come up with better strategies just need better strategies give me strategies I've rehearsed them, I'll practice them, and slowly, slowly, I'll get there over time, and then I'll be okay. No, you won't. You, you cannot fix it from this end. Um, so if you are like anyone I've ever showed this to, uh, I, I think uh, you will have picked word number one, accusation, as the obvious choice of the word that is the way in. Um, but it's not. You can't start there. That, that word is so deep and so buried and has so much angst around it. You can't start there. It's too hard. It's too big, too overwhelming. Well, I mean, don't let me tell you what you can and can't do, by the way. But uh, speaking from experience of someone who has the privilege of watching people do this day in, day out, um, I, I've never seen a person go straight there and make it work. Uh, I'll tell you the way in. The only doorway is agreement. Is agreement because do you remember it's not the words spoken to you that change your life just the ones you agree with so you must be willing to disagree you must be willing to examine what you agreed with and consider the gift of doubt as a beautiful friend to help you imagine the possibility of the fact that this is all a misunderstanding. You were too quick to, to assess. You were too quick to accuse. And by the way, like I, I've said this numerous times, that all you need is objectivity to solve this because 
This is so easy. Piece of piss for any other person you know. If you were coaching someone else through this, you'd be like, yeah, I mean, of course your game is not true. Like everyone knows it's not true. <laughs> you know, you can see it for somebody else, but for yourself, um, you'll feel like it's concrete. It's, it's unmovable. You've got all the evidence. You're not making this up. You know what it's like being you. You don't actually. You just know what it's like living in the system you've created. That's all you know. So it'll feel like it's true, but it's not. You designed this to solve one problem, and that was to make sure nobody else confirmed the worst thing you ever decided you that was true about you when you were three or four, five, definitely before you were seven. No one makes it to seven without accusing and betraying and then agreeing. Not possible, not desirable either. So uh, agreement. Now, uh, without complicating, back to Einstein, as simple as possible, but no simpler. So if agreement is the lever, that's the, of the six words, that's the way in. Let me just unpack this. And, and this is why the one-page summary is so useful, because um, if you can't see this, it, it potentially could distract you and make it a little complicated. But um, you might have heard me talk about the five readies. Um, it's in the book Leverage, and, and I really doubled down on in my latest book as well, Midlife Motivation, Upgrading from Self-Discipline to Self-Permission. Um, but if you're going to push this lever and, until change happens, you have to be ready for five things. Here they are in order. Firstly, you would have to be ready to be wrong. Now, you don't have to be wrong yet. You just have to be ready to be wrong, and that's a big deal because being wrong has some costs to it. You've been living as though you were right about your accusation, which has justified your investment in your best energy going to covering and compensating, running and hiding. So to be wrong now, that's a big cost. That That's not nice to feel like, what have I been doing with my life? To feel like your best energy is being directed into defending and proving. It's not, you're not going to enjoy that. It's going to feel unfortunate and you'll feel silly. However, uh, until you are ready to be wrong, nothing can be done. Nothing. Turn, turn back. Forget about this idea of being free until you are ready to be wrong. Mark Manson says all change is preceded by being wrong about something. So until you are ready to be wrong, you don't change the things you're right about, just the things you're wrong. So number one, be ready to be wrong. Number two, okay, if you're ready to be wrong, then the, the logical next step is to review. Are you, are you ready to review? Are you ready to go back into that experience? And uh, there is only one experience to review, by the way. And I watch people get stuck here all the time because it's so easy to get stuck on the big, embarrassing, painful, upsetting moments of your teenage years and young adult life, and of which there are many, because it's hard to be a teenager and a young adult and try and find your way in the world. And you will mess, you will mess it up. You will have undoubtedly embarrassed yourself. You will have undoubtedly hurt someone. You will have mistakes. You will have shame. There will be stuff you wish never happened. I promise you, and it'll be big stuff. You'll have had things happen to you that you wish never happened, That things that hurt, things that wounded you, things that really set you back. And it's so hard to not think that's the work to look at that. But it's not. I promise you that's just part of the system you created. Of course, that stuff is, is part of your experience of life based on the accusation you made, the betrayal to never be you again, the agreement that that was true, the certainty you felt at a very young age, and then all your energy into making sure no one found out that was true. So you do not have to deconstruct the teenage and adult pain. 
um, right now you don't. You, there's a there's a time and place to reflect on those moments and to reframe them, but it's impossible to do it first. You can't solve insecurity from this end. You must go back to the start. This is why the six-word thing is so useful because accusation is one moment in time. You were fine and then you weren't. That was a line in the sand, a pivotal, catastrophic moment in your life. And it is stored with precision in your psyche. Whether you think you're going to find it or not, whether you think it's there or not, whether you know what it is or not, totally irrelevant. It is there. I promise you, for such a big moment, it is catalogued, it is crystallized, it is remembered, it is in full color. It's just stored in a place you can't find because you haven't known what to do with it. And so your unconscious has protected you from that data rather than taunting with taunting you with it every day so when you're ready there is a moment to go back to and you can see it as soon as you are ready so you must be ready to review that you must be ready to go back into it and the very first time only push through all the other stuff the very very first time you decided this was true because that's what set this whole system in motion remember Um, ready to be wrong ready to review well if the review which you know it will for any other person proves to find a mistake was made, then the logical next step when a mistake has been made to apologize for that mistake and the damage that mistake has done. If you're going to fix this, well, some mess has been made. Like if, if you were seeing this in a legal setting and someone was accused of a crime and then acquitted and no one said anything about the 30 years they'd been rotting in prison, no one wanted to address that, no one even felt any sympathy like that would be really painful and very hard to reconcile so if you are the one the accused and betrayed and you were wrong well you're going to have to fix that and you will have to apologize and this is really how trust is built off the back of this apology right so again not to complicate it and again the value of seeing this diagrammatically seeing this on one page is that there are actually four stages to an effective apology if you are ready to apologize don't just go oh sorry uh i love you and can we be okay that is not an effective apology if someone in the real world apologized to you like that over something they had done you would not you would not trust them you couldn't it would be foolish to trust them they haven't dealt with what's dangerous so the four stages of an effective apology are a what did you do or one let's call it one one what did you do are you clear about the thing you're apologizing for is it actually the thing that the hurt part of you wants an apology for like are you on the same page are you talking about the same thing and and uh, and just to clarify this the thing you'll have to apologize for is not actually accusing and betraying in the first place. It's taking so bloody long to come back and fix this. Because how is the kid supposed to do better? It's hard being a kid. Kids don't have many resources. Adults, on the other hand, have lots of resources. And so theoretically, you could have come back an awful lot lot sooner, a long time sooner than you have. And that's the thing you're actually going to have to apologize for when you're, if you're wrong, and, and then you've been wrong your whole life about this, but you've been living as though you were right. Well, the thing you are apologizing for was, okay, why, why has it taken so long to have this conversation? Now, the part of you are apologizing to is not holding a stick waiting to beat you over the head, is desperate for reconciliation, but you must have the full conversation. So one is, what did you do? Next logical step is, why did you do it? Why has it taken so long? And if you don't have a good answer to that, you can't proceed. Without defending and justifying yourself, you must think through, why has it taken you so long? 
What, what are you going to say to yourself about that? Number three is empathy. You then must feel the pain of being betrayed. What would it be like to be betrayed and accused again and again and again with no end in sight, with no ability to clear your name? If you've ever had that happen to you, it's a horrible, horrible experience. If you're going to apologize effectively, you must empathize with that part of you fully, completely. And finally, you must develop a believable plan for this to never happen again. Well, in fact, you don't even have to promise it'll never happen again, just that it's unlikely to happen again. And here's where this gets fun, because we go back to word number three, agreement. You can't actually promise to never accuse or betray yourself again. You, you can't. Or you can promise to never agree with those words that you spoke against yourself. If you're going to say, I'll never have a negative word, I'll never think a negative thought to yourself again, you cannot do that. That's impossible. Martin Luther said, you can't stop birds flying around your head. You can stop nesting in your hair. So this is why this believable part is so believable because as an adult, you've got choice, you've got time, you can review your own language, you can hear yourself say, ah, oh, geez, you're an idiot. And before you double down on that and go, yeah, I am, go, no, hang on, that's not true. I just got embarrassed. I was trying my best, but I'm not an idiot. I, I love the fact that I had a crack there. I will never agree with words against myself again, and therefore I will never double down on betrayal. I will be safe I will be trustworthy within my relationship with myself. So, six words. Accusation, betrayal, agreement, certainty, strategy, system. The only way in is agreement. If you're going to tinker with agreement, you've got to be ready for five things. Ready to be wrong, ready to review, ready to apologize. Four stages of an effective apology. What did you do? Why did you do it? Empathize, believable plan. Back to the fourth thing to be ready ready to have happen, you would have to be ready to reconcile. If you're not ready to reconcile, well, what's the point? You can go no further. Nothing can be done. If this is just a theoretical exercise in getting it right, be not ready to engage with yourself and be whole again, don't bother. Go home. Give up now. If you've ever had someone apologize to you and you're kind of like, they don't want to let me back in. They don't want to go again. <laughs> they, don't, they don't want this to be whole. They enjoy having discord. They're used to it. Serves them. So this, this willingness with yourself to be wholehearted and have a clean space again. And finally, number five, are you ready to begin again? Knowing that beginning again means you might make further mistakes. If you're going to go play in the world, you will get hurt. You will hurt yourself. You will hurt others. But if you are safe within yourself, then you are not going to agree with the accusations or the betrayal and so that's what makes it safe but if you're not ready to play again and begin again and have a crack well what's the point nothing can be done don't go this far to then stop at the final hurdle i showed this to someone a couple of days ago and uh, i said how does that feel and they said um yeah i mean it's a little muddy <laughs> and um it was, it was a classic response. I loved it because all through I was checking all the way and it was clear, it was clear, it was clear, crystal clear, incredible. This is changing everything until the final piece when I was all together. Oh, it's a little muddy. And I said, did you hear what happened there? Clarity is dangerous. If you have clarity, your time is up. You must now go do the thing. You've got to be ready. These five readinesses are going to be tested right 
in the moment you have clarity. If you don't have clarity, if it's like, yeah, I'm not really sure, ah, it's a bit confusing, you've got time. You don't have to do anything. So notice what comes up for you. Notice when you lean into this. Notice what justification pops up about, oh, Jamin, it's a list within a list within a list, and ah, oh, it's so confusing. No, it's not. Not at all. It's as simple as possible, but no simpler. And if you want to be free, this is how. So be precise. I had a conversation yesterday again with someone who said to me, Jamin, look, um, I understand that insecurity is just fear, isn't it? Like, it's all we're talking about. And I said, wait, wait a minute. Did you hear what happened then in your language? You just moved to abstraction. You, you made things less likely to be changed. You gave yourself less power to do anything. Insecurity is a big word. Fear is an even bigger word. What do you mean? So if you're going to solve it, you can't go to abstraction. You've got to go to specificity. You have to be precise. You've got to go chunk down, not chunk up. So if you want to throw rocks at fear, don't call it fear. Don't even call it insecurity. Call it an agreement that you made with the worst accusation you ever labeled against yourself. That there is a solvable problem. That's the only way anyone has ever and will ever solve the insecurity problem. If you're up for it, this is not possible. It's inevitable. You stay in this process. It can only change your life. And the ripple effect of that on the world is is exquisite. This is how the world gets healed. One person at a time with courage and kindness being willing to go into the unreconciled accusations of their past and see what is actually true and change their mind once and for all. I disagree. I am not stupid. I have never been stupid. I am not bad. There is no evidence. I cannot reproduce this experiment for someone who's dispassionate. I can't highlight some experience of my life and have them look at it objectively and go, oh yeah, look at that, you are shit. Yep, no, good, you are a terrible person. It's not there. There are no weapons of mass destruction. We've looked in all the warehouses. When a human does that, sets themselves free, and then off the back of that, new agreements about who they really are and they own those agreements, that person brings healing energy to the world. The ripple effect of that is extraordinary. Hope that's been useful. I hope you enjoy the one-page summary. And I'll talk to you again next week.